my peas. I made them so I know they're okay. Was that remark uh, directed at me, Carla, by any chance? No, it was directed at your stupid turkey and your stupid stuffing and your stupid gravy. What's wrong with my gravy? Oh, nothing, except you could walk across the skin on top of it. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Julia Child. Here's your perfect peas. Oh, look, I spilled one. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Norm, I'm sorry about what I said about your gravy. All right. It's okay. Fine. And so are the carrots. <laughs> uh, anybody want some of these uh, little yams? <laughs> Woody, would you care to test the gravy skin? I have never been witness to such a silly, soft... <laughs> Sam Malone, kiss your butt goodbye! Now that's a memorable Thanksgiving. All right? Thanksgiving is right here, right upon us. And it's supposed to be a day of celebration. A day when we praise God and thank Him for all that He's done this past year. An opportunity to get together with family members we haven't seen for a while and to celebrate that. It's supposed to be a great, awesome, um, blessed day because God has blessed us with families, right? And the purpose of that is so that we can enjoy them and celebrate and love each other and encourage each other. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be all about. Unfortunately, uh, there are too many families in America today uh, that are broken, that uh, don't really love each other. They're not, they're not looking forward to getting together for Thanksgiving, but they'll get together, and they'll mostly say the right things, and they'll mostly do the right things, but I can tell you right now that most of them wish they could do what was shown in that video. Most of them wish they could take just, you know, a spoonful of yams or that, that cranberry stuff that comes out of the can in that funky shape and just chuck it at Uncle Henry, or Aunt Susie, or their brother Mike, or their mom, or their husband, and so on, and so on. Because their families are broken. And the reason their families are broken is because their priorities are way out of whack. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue our series in the Bible Project, and we're going to be looking up close and personal at a family that's truly messed up, truly dysfunctional. And um, what's interesting about this is that last week we talked about this family. If you were here last week, you remember Rebecca and Isaac? And we talked about how their romance was like one of those Hallmark movies, right? We kind of said, ah, oh, how romantic. 
Well, this week it's going to go from a Hallmark movie to an episode of Survivor. Alliances are going to be made. People are going to get voted off the island. It's sad and it's tragic, but we have to read it because it's going to teach us what not to do. And then what we're going to do after that is talk about what our priorities should be. And I'm going to help you memorize them by reminding you of a little rhyme that you might have learned as a, as a child. Uh, but we're going to start, first of all, by looking in Genesis. And we're going to go old school today. And what I mean by that is usually I put the words up on the screen, but there's really too many. So if you want to follow along, go ahead and turn to Genesis 25, verse 19. And I'll be reading through this. So you can pay attention and listen to me, or you can read it in your own Bibles. You can look on your phones and tablets. Aaron, if you could shut that door for me, I appreciate that. That would be helpful. Thank you. All right, so let's begin. Genesis 25, verse 19. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Paddan Aram, and the sister of Laban the Aramean. So that's that romantic hallmark story we were talking about. Now Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. Now this is important to stop here and if you got your Bible with you, you might want to mark it, highlight it. But this is important because in the family history, Isaac's mom and dad, remember Isaac's mom and dad, Abraham and Sarah? She couldn't get pregnant. What did they do? They brought in Hagar, the maidservant, to get pregnant. They didn't trust in God. So this is a big deal. Isaac is right now putting God first, and this is huge. Okay? Now, the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. The babies jostled each with other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So this is good too, because also Rebecca is putting God first. So they're doing good so far. Both Rebecca and Isaac are putting God first, making him the priority in their life. Now, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and the two peoples from within you will be separated One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. It's kind of like she was giving birth to a rug, right? It's a weird description. So they named him Esau. Now, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. All right, so, so far, so good, right? It's still this perfect family. They're married. They love each other. God is first. They've just had children. They got a two-for-one deal. They got twins, right? How cute, how awesome. Things are great, but they're about to get bad. It said, the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Now, that's not unusual, right? That happens a lot. If you have more than one child, they're usually not, you know, they're not always the same. They're usually different. I have four daughters. None of them are the same. They all act different. They all look different. That's just how it goes. Nothing wrong there. They've got two sons living just different ways. That's okay. 
But Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, this is important. In fact, if you have your Bibles with you, what I did is I marked it. Um, I didn't have a red marker, but I wrote down red flag. If you have a red pen, red highlighter, whatever, that's what I would mark this with, because this is a red flag, folks. This is bad. This is very, 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 very bad. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game. So in other words, he loved to eat venison, like many of you do, especially during this hunting season. He liked that outdoor food. That's what he liked. And so because Esau hunted and got that kind of food, Esau became his favorite. So now we see Isaac being really selfish because he likes what he likes and because Esau can deliver that, well, then he loves Esau. But Rebekah is being just as selfish because Jacob likes to do what she likes to do. He likes to hang out in the tents, in the kitchen. That's where she likes to be. So she loves Jacob. So now we've got a big problem here, don't we? Instead of God being first, they're putting themselves first. They're being selfish. And instead of their marriage being up there as a priority, they're actually putting their kids in front of each other. Because folks, what should happen right now? What should happen is they should be getting together. Isaac should be sitting down with Rebecca and they should be talking and saying, you know, honey, I'm really struggling because I feel like I'm closer with Esau because we have more in common. And Rebecca should be saying, yeah, I feel the same way about Jacob. He and I have more in common, but I want to love Esau the same. Yeah, I want to love Jacob the same. How can we, they should be working together. They should be praying, Lord, help us to love our kids the same. They should be working on this with God together, but they're not. And they don't. And that's a problem because Jacob and Esau are going to grow up in this atmosphere. And folks, if you have kids today, you have to understand you have a huge influence. You have the biggest influence on their lives. So how you live your life is going to impact them. And so by choosing favorites, this impacts Jacob and Esau. So we should not be surprised when we pick up it up again in verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew... Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Now, let's stop here. What is Esau doing wrong here? Well, he's being pretty demanding, right? He's being pretty pretty disrespectful, kind of like self-entitled. I mean, he comes bursting in the kitchen. And instead of saying, hey, Jacob, how you doing today? Good to see you. Wow, something smells good. Ooh, I'm hungry. Would you mind if I had some of your soup? He comes barging in and says, look, this is the deal. I'm famished. Give me some of your soup now. He has no respect for his brother. Chances are he has no love for his brother. Now, how does Jacob feel about Esau? Well, we find out right away. Jacob replies, first sell me your birthright. First, sell me your birthright. Now, let's, let's all read here what a birthright is. I'm going to read it to you. This is what he's talking about. The birthright is the inheritance of the firstborn son. Esau stood to be the head of a large extended family and its property. Folks, this is huge. This is a lot of stuff and a lot of money. 
So obviously Jacob doesn't care for Esau at all either because Jacob doesn't go, oh, Esau, you look hungry. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I've made all the stew. Yeah, why don't you have some? He goes, "Uh uh-uh. You want stew? Give me your birthright. In other words, give me everything for a bowl of stew. No respect. No love. He feels entitled. Can you see how they've grown up? Divided. Now, we continue. Look, says Esau, I'm about to die. Folks, he's not about to die. He's exaggerating, okay? You know how you get hungry and you're like, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. No, he's not going to die. But he says, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. He wants this in writing. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and he drank and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now this is important. What does it mean Esau despised his birthright? Well, folks, he just gave away everything for a bowl of stew. In other words, he doesn't even care about his family. He doesn't care about the future. He doesn't care about the the people or the money. He has no love for his family. He and his brother have been divided. His parents are divided. This family is a mess. And now his brother has just got his birthright. So what should happen here? Well, in a healthy family, what should happen here is mom and dad finds out, right? They find out and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they sit down. They have a family meeting with their two sons. They go, okay, um, yeah, this whole birthright exchange, not happening. Let's talk about, in fact, let's pray first. And they should pray first, and then they should talk about how they can heal this broken relationship. Right? They need healing. They need counseling. They need to work this out. But they don't. In fact, you know what they do? They make it worse. Go ahead and turn over to Genesis chapter 27. We're about to have a survivor blindside. So pay attention here. Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. And Isaac said, I am now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. All right. So Isaac is really old, and he could die at any moment. So why doesn't he just say, Hey, Esau, I could die at any moment. Let me give you my blessing. Because he's selfish. He's selfish. Before he's going to give Esau his blessing, he wants what? Some more tasty food. What does this man care about? His son? No. What comes first? Food. Even in his dying days, before he's going to bless his son, he wants food. Now this is a problem because his wife is doing a little bit of eavesdropping. Verse 5. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, 
I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So in other words, Rebecca knows that Jacob already has the birthright. But that's not enough for this selfish woman. She wants her favorite son to also have the final blessing. Here her poor husband is blind. He can't see. He's on death's door. She doesn't care. She wants to make sure that her favorite gets the final blessing. So here comes the blind side. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and I would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Now I want to stop here for a minute because there's something missing here. Do you see what's missing? They're worried about Isaac foiling their plot and figuring it out and cursing them. Who cares about Isaac? You know who's missing here? God. They're not going to trick God. They're not going to fake out God. God sees everything that's going on. They should be concerned about God, but they're not. Why? Because their priorities are all out of whack. They've got themselves at the top. They've got their favorite child at the top. Now check this out. If you've never read this before, it's very, very bizarre, and it's very, very sad. And I'd like to skip it, but I think it's important that we cover it. So here it goes. So he, Jacob, went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. She's putting her son in costume here. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread that she had made. So he went to his father and he said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, "Um, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? Oh, uh, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Now, this is important, folks, because we get a great, great snapshot at the present spiritual condition of Jacob's life. He doesn't say, the Lord my God. He says, the Lord your God. So somehow, Isaac has not communicated, or at least Um, Jacob has not made that decision for himself to follow God. Then it says, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Okay, well, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. So, in his costume, Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, 
Hmm. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son, Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. So Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. He wanted to give him the smell test. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son. So Isaac gives, gives Jacob, who he thinks is Esau, his blessing. And then in verse 30 it says, After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and he brought it to his father. And then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Now, I have to warn you, this is probably one of the saddest uh, parts there are of our scriptures here. His father, Isaac, asked him, well, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently, and he said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry, And said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob, which means deceiver? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. And then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you. And have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness and from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told that her older son Esau had, what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So again, she continues her manipulation of her husband. And it works because Isaac sends Jacob away. 
But it doesn't work because Rebecca never sees Jacob, her favorite, again. Her plan backfires on her. Now, Esau's watching this happen, and he sees how upsetting it makes his father to uh, marry a Canaanite woman. So what do you think Esau does to stick it to dad one more time? He marries a Canaanite woman. And this is how this section ends. So let's stop here for a moment and kind of take it all in. This is a very, very sad story of what could have been a very, very wonderful story. But the priorities of Jacob and Esau and Isaac and Rebekah are all out of whack. And folks, if we want to have a healthy family, and this is our bottom line, we have to have healthy priorities. Let's go to the next slide there. To have a healthy family, you must have healthy priorities. So our next steps are really looking at, well, what are the healthy priorities? Well, let's look at them. Let's go to our first scripture. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. These are the words of Jesus. And all these things will be given to you as well. Folks, I don't know what your family situation is. I don't know if you're single or married. I don't know if you're single with kids or married with kids. But regardless of where you are today, your top priority in your life needs to be God. Seeking God, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, pursuing holiness, growing closer to him, building that relationship, telling others about him, fulfilling the great commandment, fulfilling the great commission. God has to be your top priority because it affects everything else. Now we'll come back to this in a minute, but let's go to priority number two. Go to the next scripture here. This again is the words of Jesus, Matthew 19, verse 5. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Yesterday, we had a wedding right here. I stood right here as the uh, husband and wife looked into each other's eyes, and they made vows to each other. That's the only time you ever make a vow is in a marriage, and you've got to keep that vow. That needs to be the second priority in your life. If you're married here today, your spouse is number two behind God. Number two, right behind God. And then number three comes out of this scripture. No, go back. Number three comes out of this scripture. The two become one flesh. What comes out of that two becoming one flesh? Well, your children, right? Your children are a blessing from God, and we need to be good stewards. So your priorities need to be God, your marriage, and then your children. If you keep those three things in a row, and you keep those priorities in order, you will have a healthy family. Now, this little rhyme is something I think we remember you learned as um, a child. I don't know if you remember hearing this. First comes love, then comes marriage. Then comes baby in a baby carriage. Who remembers this one? Okay. We're going to change it to first comes God, and we're going to sing it together. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. First comes God. Then comes marriage. 
Then comes baby in the baby carriage. All right, we won't do the rest, but that's good enough. Right? Now, <laughs> this is not easy. This is not easy. Okay? This does not happen by accident. You can't just say, yeah, I'm going to have God first, my marriage second, my children third. You have to have purpose. You have to do it on purpose. You have to have discipline. You have to work at it. Let me show you something I discovered this past week. Go to the next slide here. I don't know how well you can see it here. I'm going to read it to you. This is the daily schedule for Mark Wahlberg. He is an actor, and he printed, he showed his daily, this is his typical daily schedule when he's not making a movie, and he put it on Instagram for everybody to see, and I thought it was kind of fascinating. Uh, I want to share this with you. Um, every day, Mark Wahlberg wakes up at 2.30 in the morning. All right. And then at 2.45, he prays, which I thought was very cool. Then at 3.15, he has breakfast. At 3.40 to 5.15, he works out. At 5.30, he has another meal. 6, he takes a shower. 7.30, he plays golf. 8 o'clock, he has a snack. 9.30, he has the cryo chamber recovery. You all know how that is. Um, 10.30, he has another snack. At 11 o'clock, he has family time or meetings or work calls. 1 o'clock is lunch. 2 o'clock is meeting or work calls. 3 o'clock, he picks his kids up at school. 3.30 is snack. 4 o'clock is workout number two. Uh, 5 o'clock is a shower. 5.30 is dinner and family time. And 7.30 is bedtime. Now, you can look at that schedule and get a pretty clear idea of the priorities of this man's life. Now, I'm showing you this not because I want you to have this exact schedule. I'm showing you this because these things in his life are not happening by accident. He has purposely chosen these priorities. He has made a schedule so that these priorities are accomplished. And so what I want to do today is I want to challenge you to make your own schedule. Now, I know that you have to go to work, and I know that you have to go to school, all right? But let's take out work and let's take out school, and let's just focus on the rest of the time. What are you doing with the rest of that time? When you're not at work, when you're not at school, what are you doing? Is God coming first? Is God really first? Or are there other things first? Maybe yourself, maybe your hobbies, maybe Fortnite, I don't know. But where are you spending most of your time? Is God coming first? And if you're here today and you're married, okay, does your spouse have second place? And if you have kids, do your kids have third place? And if you have more than one child, do they have third place equally? Equally. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, you have to have a purpose. You have to have a plan. You have to work at it. It's not easy. I'll give you an example. I have four daughters, and I already shared this with you. They're all different. They're all different. And the easiest one to get along with, the one most similar to me, is my daughter Sarah. Sarah likes sports. Sarah likes video games. Piece of cake. Easy peasy. I could have said to Joanne, hey, I'll take Sarah. You got the rest. <laughs> I didn't do that because I love my girls. I love them equally. So I found what they liked and I worked towards it. So my daughter Kaylee, she likes to read. So we read, we go to Barnes & Noble, we hang out. 
My daughter Emily, she's more into the art stuff, so we've done art, and she likes to watch funny shows. In fact, last night, we actually watched an episode of Barney Miller from the 70s and laughed like crazy. My daughter Allison, she didn't come out of her room until like 8th grade. Um, but when she did, uh, <laughs> that's how it feels. When she did, she emerged as someone who enjoyed makeup. So I took that girl to Alta and I said, show me how you do it. And boy, let me tell you, what a process. There's primer. I mean, it's like painting a house. I mean, it's serious. It's serious. It's serious business. And, um, but I had to make an effort because I love them all equally. But let me tell you what I, I'm still trying to get better at this. I also had to make an effort to not let my kids become more important than my wife. That's not easy to do. And so I still remember um, we only had two at this time. It was, uh, it was Kaylee and Sarah, and they were little. So I'm going to say Sarah was probably like one, and Kaylee was three, and we were living in Gary. And I'm like, man, we got to go on a date. So we got a babysitter. And uh, at that time, we had a, uh, a window in the front of the house, big window. And so we were literally driving down the road, and both of them were in their onesies. I still remember this. You're in your onesies. And they're up against the window, banging on the window, crying. Don't leave us! <laughs> and I'm like driving going, don't look at the window. Don't look at the window. Because you felt so guilty, but you're like, we need our marriage to work. And that was back a long time ago. Today, parents, I don't know how you do it. Because your kids turn you into a taxi service, and you're running them here, there, and everywhere. No. No. God first, marriage second, then the kids. Yeah, they're important, but don't ever put your kids in front of marriage. All right, now, let's go back to the story because this is important. Um, poor Isaac and Rebecca. They started out so good, so romantic. And God gave them Jacob and Esau. I mean, it should have been this perfect family unit. But they got selfish, they got divisive, and they had a mess. Can you imagine if we transported that family to today and said, hey, in a couple days it's Thanksgiving. And they had Thanksgiving dinner together. That would be a train wreck, right? Now, I don't know what kind of Thanksgiving dinner you're going to have, but if you're going to have a great Thanksgiving because you've got healthy family and healthy family priorities, please do me a favor and just thank God this Thursday. Just praise him and say, Lord, thank you for this healthy family and this healthy Thanksgiving. But if it's not healthy, if your priorities are out of whack, folks, it's not too late. Put God first. Here's the thing. You can't control anybody in your family, but you can control yourself. Put God first. No matter what your situation is, put God first. If you're here and you're a teenager and you're like, Pastor Chris, I don't have any of that. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Okay, great. But still, put God first. Go into that Thanksgiving dinner with God leading you. And if you are here today and you are married, well then have your wife, have your husband's back and put your spouse second. And then put your kids third. So important. So important. God does not want us chucking mashed potatoes and yams at each other this Thursday. He wants us to love each other, respect each other, encourage each other, be a family. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I want to pray this morning first and foremost for those who are here today. And Father, they're celebrating because, yeah, they can't wait to Thanksgiving. They can't wait to see their family. They can't wait to celebrate. And Father, we just praise you and we thank you because we know that we have those healthy families because of you. But Father, I also want to pray this morning for families who are struggling. And it's, Father, it's, it's, it's quite possible their priorities are way out of whack. Maybe they put themselves above you. Maybe they put their kids above their spouse. Maybe they don't love their kids the same, and they're struggling with that. Maybe other things in life have taken priority. Maybe they're hobbies. I don't know. But you're not first. Father, if there's someone here that's struggling with that, let them know, Lord, that they can walk out of here different. Lord, help them, Lord, to be determined and to be purposeful. And maybe it'll take making a schedule and breaking the day down in hours and just doing things on purpose until it becomes a reality, until you become number one. And if they're married, their spouse becomes number two, and if they have kids, number three. Father, we thank you for our families. We thank you for the blessings, Lord, that they are. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there a song? Okay. All right, let's stand together. We're going to close simply with this benediction. Uh, And please, no chucking food at each other this Thursday and blaming it on me. I'm not responsible. But love each other. May you all have a great Thanksgiving. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great day.